I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often, so stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I'm your host, Tanner Campbell, and I have some news. But first, if you want to get rid of ads, you can do so by going to stoicismpod.com forward slash members and becoming a supporter of this podcast for just $6 a month. Your support is appreciated and thank you. About six months into this podcast, a significant number of you began reaching out to me and asking about stoic mentoring. I was pretty hesitant about this. I didn't see myself at the time as a mentor. I saw myself as a prokoptan, the same as all of you. However, and forgive me for talking about my past professional life here, something I used to say in talks I gave was, knowledge exists on a spectrum. I said this because a lot of the instructors I trained came to class with this kind of weird assumption, which was, if they didn't know everything, then they couldn't teach or instruct anyone in anything. And while there's something about that that feels intuitively true, it's not true, if you really think about it. For example, your high school biology teacher likely did not know everything about biology, but they knew enough to teach you enough to graduate, right? People who know everything can teach everyone, but people who know 80% of something can teach people who only know 10% of something. So with this in mind, and with my own mentor, Kai's encouragement, I am going to start offering mentoring. Now, I'm offering this in a first-come, first-served basis, and I need to point a couple of things out. Number one, I am not a therapist. This is not therapy. It's not counseling. I'm not a psychiatrist. This is mentoring. And it's specific to helping you to understand stoicism better so that you can more effectively and consistently apply it to whatever's going on in your life. That is the point of this. It's not therapy. It's mentoring, specific to stoicism. Now, I'm not going to say anything more about that because I know you just heard two ads and you just want me to get to the content of today's meditation. So if you want to learn more about mentoring, you can go to stoicismpod.com forward slash mentoring. Today's meditation is a long one, so let's just jump into it. He is a true fugitive that flies from reason by which men are sociable. He blind, who cannot see with the eyes of his understanding. He poor, that stands in need of another, and hath not in himself all things needful for this life. 
he an apostime of the world, who by being discontented with those things that happen unto him in the world, doth as it were apostatize, and separate himself from common nature's rational element. From the same nature it is that brings this unto thee, whatsoever it be, that first brought thee into this world. He raises sedition in the city, who by irrational actions withdraws his own soul from that one and common soul of all rational creatures. For those of you who are reading along, I'm using a different translation here because George Long's was a bit too old-timey. And given what I just read, you're probably thinking, more old-timey than that? But yes, what I just read comes from a version of the Meditations printed in 2001, and it's like a compilation of various translation sources. So I don't know which translator in particular this one is from, but I'll link to it in the show notes. However, even this one is hard to make out, so I'm going to share the Gregory Hayes translation as well, which goes like this. Alien, one who doesn't know what the world contains or how it operates. Fugitive, one who evades his obligations to others. Blind, one who keeps the eyes of his mind shut tight. Poor, requiring others, not having the necessities of life in one's own possession. Rebel, one who is rebellious, one who withdraws from the logos of nature because he resents its workings. It produced you, now it produces this. Schismatic, one who separates his own soul from the logos. They should be one. Okay, so first, huge hats off to Hayes here because I imagine simplifying the original text of this meditation the original text to what I just read, was no small feat considering the old-timey and slightly confusing form of the version I read first. Marcus is making a list of reasons people might reject Stoicism or this way of thinking. Perhaps they are alien to the idea. They have no idea how the world works or what it's really composed of. How does it work? Through the logic of the Logos. Through this sort of living expanse that we're all pressed up out of. Or, perhaps they are a fugitive from their responsibilities to the whole, to the cosmopolis. Certainly someone who didn't want to be part of the whole shebang, who would rather selfishly focus on themselves and their own gratification and aims, would look to the tenets of Stoicism and run from them, wanting to avoid the work that those tenets imply one must do in order to be in alignment with nature. Maybe they are simply blind, metaphorically speaking, they're the sort of person who thinks they already have the answers, and they're not open to hearing or seeing anything that conflicts with what they already believe. Perhaps they are poor, in that they are a person who cannot let go of the idea that external things make them happy, and not, instead, that it is the character of oneself that makes them happy. Maybe they are a rebel without a cause, withdrawing from the logos of nature because it is structured, has some sort of perceived authority to them and wants nothing to do with conforming to any kind of cosmic truth or even accepting the idea of it because it means they aren't completely in charge of themselves. This is something that's common among young people. I remember feeling it very viscerally, that it wasn't necessarily that I had an issue with authority for the sake of having an issue with it, 
but I had an issue with authority because it meant I had to obey rules and I had to go along to get along. And, you know, as a teenager, you don't really like that stuff. You don't like rules. And then as you get older, you realize the importance of them and you begin to conform to them. But I guess what's being suggested here is that the rebel is a nonconformist. They don't want to conform to something that is in any way an authority. Lastly, maybe they are schismatic. They might believe the Stoic concepts, but cannot bring their behavior into alignment with them. Because if they did, others might judge them for it, or they might lose out on some sort of popular standing or cool factor. So they believe something in their mind, but they don't have the will to live it. They are like two people. Now, there are two things I want to make sure I point out about this meditation, just in case you think I missed them. The first is that Marcus seems pretty preachy here, right? He seems pretty evangelical. And we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that saying something like, they don't want to see the truth of this truth I know is the truth, is very much what any believer of anything would be inclined to say about why people don't believe what they believe. This should not be a foreign concept to any of you. It's a kind of unfortunate moment in the meditation because it belies the open-mindedness Marcus is suggesting that he has because Marcus himself certainly wouldn't be open to alternatives to Stoicism. And some people might argue me on that, perhaps pointing to a previous meditation where Marcus said something along the lines of, if you find something better than Stoicism, then by all means, chase after it. And these people might say that that suggests he's open to the possibility of something being better than what Stoicism promises or being better than what Stoicism is. But those people would be forgetting that the next line of that meditation went something like, but you won't find anything better because nothing could be better, which isn't a very modest form of open-mindedness, right? I think if you're going to practice Stoicism, you should make it your thing completely. I think it takes a serious commitment to really be a Stoic, and you should make that commitment if Stoicism seems to be a thing that you really care about, or seems to be a thing you think is worthwhile. You should commit yourself to it. You shouldn't just be interested in it until it's hard, or makes you question some of your previously held beliefs, or whatever. You shouldn't just abandon it when it gets difficult. But I also think that if you're somebody who thinks Stoicism is stupid, or doesn't make any sense, that you have the right not to pursue it further, and that doesn't make you an ignorant, blind, poor, and schismatic rebel. So this whole meditation is a little judgmental of people who do not quote-unquote see the path or see the truth. And I think, again, that's a little unfortunate, but also I don't think it's an uncommon position for anyone in antiquity or modernity, for that matter, to take when they think they've got the answer. But that's okay. We can forgive Marcus. He's a cool guy. He's also a very dead guy. We can let it go. I just think that today in modernity, we should be a little bit more open-minded and a little less preachy than Marcus was in this particular meditation. And yes, he's saying these things to himself. This is his own private journal. But still, let's not try to be preachy. Nobody really likes that. And I don't think it's necessarily stoic to be an evangelist. I think we can keep that to ourselves. And then secondly, the other thing I want to point out is this part about being alone, poor, requiring others, not having the necessities of life in one's own possession. This is the sort of language in these meditations that can make a person think, see, the Stoics say we don't need anyone. Relationships are stupid. Needing people is dumb. Get a dog. Go live in the woods. That's what Marcus wanted to do. But what's really being said here isn't that it's not stoic to want relationships or to find joy in those relationships. What's being said instead is that if you're cast out of town, if you're labeled a leper, if you're wrongly persecuted, 
or whatever would find you with no one around you, friendless, right? Kick to the curb. That a rich person has everything they need on their person and in their soul, so to speak. So it's not that you should be alone and you don't need friends. It's that if you find yourself in a situation where you are alone and you don't have friends, that you should be able to have everything you need with you. So it's not saying don't have friends. It's saying develop the kind of character wherein if you had no friends, you could still live a contented and happy life. And this really should be reinforced by Marcus himself in this meditation, not two sentences prior to this one, when he says that the fugitive ignores his responsibility to others and, in the older translation, he is a true fugitive that flies from reason by which men are sociable. That's outright stating that the reason, capital R, we derive from Stoicism leads us to the conclusion that humans are supposed to be social, not reclusive. So I'm going to give you a little bit of homework today. I'm actually going to give you two pieces of homework, and I want you to take all week to do these things if you need to, but I want you to report back to the Discord community once you've done it. First, I want you to sit down and think about these labels, alien, fugitive, blind, poor, rebel, schismatic. Do any of them as they've been defined in this meditation apply to you? If so, is that okay with you? And it can be. There's not a wrong answer here. But if it's not okay with you, what can you do to change it? And here's the second piece. And I actually think this one's more important. So if you think that first bit of homework is lame, don't do it. But do this one. Definitely do this one. Try to do both. (laughs) But if you're only going to choose one, do this one. I want you to go out and do something kind for someone. It can't be on the internet. I want this to be in person. And it can't be giving someone money. It can't be handing someone $5. That's, That's not what I'm asking you to do. It has to be something thoughtful. Maybe you can buy someone lunch just to be nice. Or maybe you could think of something your friend likes or just someone in your office likes and do something related to that for them. Maybe you notice that your desk mate at work really likes Marvel characters or something. You know, they've got desk swag and stuff. Go to the store and get them a little Funko Pop Marvel character and say, hey, I saw this at the store and thought you really like it. And just give it to them just as an example. Or you can do what a lot of people do, this pay-it-forward thing where you're in line at Starbucks and you say, hey, I want to pay for the car behind me in the drive-thru. Or, hey, I'm going to buy your coffee person in line standing right next to me. I just feel like doing that today. But whatever it is, I want you to do it. And then I want you to share the story of doing it in the Good Vibes channel of the Discord. I'm asking you to do this for two reasons. One, because it's a stoic thing to do. And two, because it's the holiday season and you should be doing it stoic or not. So go do those two things, or at least that second thing. And for anybody wondering, yes, I'm releasing episodes all through the holidays and even on Christmas. And I think Eric actually has a special Jesus version of practical cynicism prepared for you the Sunday of that week. I don't know exactly what that means, but knowing Eric, I'm sure it will be very fun and very informative and probably have a bunch of new vocabulary words in it for you. Anyway, thanks for listening. And I know I'm the worst teacher on earth. I'm giving you homework a week before Christmas. I'm a true monster, but I hope you'll forgive me. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Practical Stoicism. I appreciate you being here. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, just go ahead and hit follow or subscribe in whatever app you're currently using to listen. That way you'll find out every time a new episode drops, which is every day. And if you've got a minute and you're enjoying the show, consider leaving it a review wherever you can. 
Thanks again for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism, and until next time, take care. Take care.